0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Wild, Messy, Infinite Love. My name is Eric Snader, and oh my goodness, I know I say this every week that I have a guest on the podcast, but this conversation that I had with the one and only Jonathan Fuller has, it's incredible, and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. It was an absolutely fascinating conversation on anger. Um... So Jonathan Fuller is a dear, dear friend of mine. We've been together both in undergrad and in seminary, and he is just such an eloquent and wise individual. Every time I have a conversation with him, I learn and grow. And this conversation that you're about to listen to is no different. So I absolutely hope you take the time to listen to its entirety because it's all good stuff about anger and what it tells us about ourselves and how we can fully be embodying who we are and what we need to be doing in this world, how we can be more aware of what's going on in our own bodies, what's going on in our communities, and how we can actually be engaging in that in authentic and meaningful ways. So. Please give this a listen. Um, Jonathan has an Instagram that you can follow him on um, because he's just absolutely amazing. Um, And if you want, you can follow me on Instagram, too, to stay up to date with everything going on on the podcast. It's esnater 18 Like, rate, comment, share with your friends. And without further ado, Jonathan Fuller on anger. Let's talk about it. Recording. Cool. <laughs> I'm so excited.
1: I mean, that was a really life-changing
0: transition. <laughs> you are now on air, Jonathan Fuller! That's so great to So be I, I actually have this really bad habit of when I'm interviewing people, like, mentioning their name at, like, the end of the interview. Okay. <laughs> so this is Jonathan Fuller, everyone. <laughs> we'll see if this actually makes it end. So I'll also go back and, like, put an intro in and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And let's dim that, because we know it's recording, and now it's just us. It's just us in this well-lit room. (laughs) That makes it sound like it's definitely not well-lit, since (laughs) no one else can see it. (laughs) It is a well-lit room, everyone. So, Jonathan Fuller is here. Jonathan is a friend of mine from Wesley Theological Seminary and also from my undergrad days, our undergrad days, at Messiah College, the home of the Falcons. Um, So, we go pretty far back. He is a wonderful wonderful individual. Say hi, Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Oh, (laughs) hi, everyone. He's also really into the dad
1: jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I was actually in a conversation with someone yesterday, and we were talking about what my personal brand is, and what we landed on was dad. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) So tucking the dress shirts into the jeans and the bad puns, but I'm just learning to embrace it. Yeah, Uh, be you, man. Yeah, I think that's that's a really powerful lesson. Yeah. But I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I've been enjoying listening
0: to your project, and excited to be a part of it. Uh, you're too kind. So Jonathan is here to talk about bump, but um, anger, because that's a fun thing to talk about. It is. So and,
1: and I think it's also something we don't talk about enough. Right. Uh, yeah. And I think that's that's part of what's actually really compelling to me about anger is it's one of those things in our, at least in the culture and the circles that I'm in the most. It's like. It's something that's so common, but it's also really taboo. Right. Yeah. Uh, so we we often associate anger with the extremes, right? We either are working with extreme anger that leads to acts of aggression or acts of violence against others, which obviously are not what I'm here to talk about. Right. <laughs> uh, or we're talking about really unhelpful stereotypes that often associate that are often associated with um, minority ethnic groups, minority gender groups, who when they Uh, they're kind of anger is used as a tool or a weapon against them to kind of delegitimate anything that they're trying to point out about the way that systems are broken and so as someone who experiences anger regularly I've started to wrestle with what it looks like to actually take our anger seriously and not just be not be afraid of it not stigmatize it whatever you want to look at and see what our anger is actually telling us about ourselves Ooh, I like this.
0: Yeah, I like this a lot. I, I had some like brief idea of what we were going to be talking about, but like, yeah, I'm totally letting <laughs> you run with this. So, anger then, um, from what I hear you saying, it's it's much deeper than just like getting the road rage yeah on (laughs) i-95 or you know whatever right like there's something there's something in there like why am i getting so angry like this it's what i hear a lot is like anger is like that indicator that blinking light like hey there is something deeper going on here that you're wrestling with and this is the way that your body is taking it out absolutely yeah i think we you know
1: Anger is so often cast as one of those negative emotions. Yeah. And while I think speaking against that is true, I also think it's really helpful to kind of remove it from the emotional conversation whatsoever because of exactly what you just said. Anger is so much more of an indicator of something being out of place, something uh, being unaddressed or uncomfortable, and it's usually those moments that kind of... uh, like road rage. <laughs> <That laughs> so someone, someone cuts you off on the highway and all of a sudden that just opens up a can of, of really directed aggression, verbal, or hopefully it stays there right. on the road. <laughs> right. Um, but that you, you're just like, you kind of take a breath when it's done. And, holy crap. Where did that come from? Yeah. And I think if we can start to look at anger as, as that indicator we can actually have some really interesting conversations about how we're wired, about our personalities, and how we experience the world around us, how we experience religion, and those kinds of things. So I think anger is itself neutral. Where it gets into those positive or negative states are the things that the anger causes. So again, if anger is leading you to hurt or harm others, I think that's a place where we need to step back and address some things. If it's causing you to act on unhelpful prejudices, um, you really need to check that, right? But if anger is simply, you know, is simply coming out, it's it's worth taking a moment to stop and paying attention to where it's coming from, and trying to do the really hard work of diving in and examining where that might be coming from. Yeah. So I don't I don't know I don't often whatever you call it if it's a coincidence if it's a God moment <laughs> if it's just some crazy happening of the universe maybe it was just me pe- thinking about this and paying attention uh, to what was going on but i was i was out on a run this morning and had my headphones in listening to a podcast was kind of into it it's honestly kind of a tough run but i passed i was coming up on the sidewalk passing someone who was walking the other direction mm-hmm. And I look up briefly and I notice that they're coming. So I move over to the side of the sidewalk, but kind of keep my head down because I'm just trying to keep with my pace and flow of the run, just kind of focus. And I look up again when they're probably about maybe 20 yards ahead of me, about half the distance from when I first saw them. And their arms are straight out. And they're looking at me with their mouth wide open. And I, with my headphones in, I haven't heard anything. Right. And I'm still running and I'm getting past them. And as I'm passing them, I pull out one headphone to try to hear what the heck's going on. And all I hear is, I was just trying to say hello. <laughs> and so this is, you know, this is a bright sunny day. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to struggle through this run. And all of a sudden, I've got this person in my neighborhood who I've never met before. Like, literally yelling at me oh as goodness. I'm running past. So in the moment, I'm I, just I,
0: trying to be friendly.
1: I know. That's exact. That's oh, that's not that much of an exaggeration of what was happening. So I like I was just weirded out. Put my headphone in and kept going. I was like, wow, what a perfect illustration for my conversation <laughs> with Eric, because in in that moment, there's you know obviously two two parties coming together, and me and my past. I would often take that that kind of thing really personally. Right. Like trying to obsess about, "Oh my gosh, what a terrible person I am to have caused such, you know, such distress. I must right. have done something really bad." In this moment though, I realized that me focusing on my run and not listening, not the worst thing right. in the world. Kind of an unfair <laughs> expectation for me to meet. But I also realized that for what I believe the vast majority of people if if I was putting myself in this other person's shoes for a second that trend of like not acknowledging people as you're passing is a pretty common one here in the greater DC area. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, our, our interactions are so transactional and so in, un, uh, impersonal, that's the word I'm looking for. Right. That we don't really we don't really stop and acknowledge one another. Um, we might miss people in their joy or their or their sorrow. Um, And that's something that I think we can all work on, and a habit that I know I don't love that I've developed since I've been here. It's just like trying to almost see past people sometimes instead of being present with them in the moment. And so I get that. Um, At the same time, I think my action or lack of action um, might have opened up something a little deeper for that person. And I might be overanalyzing but to me, it felt like an unreasonable level of reaction <laughs> to the situation. So, so in this example, that moment of anger, while it you know it has its own value uh, or it's worth observing on that level of the interaction, it's also worth kind of removing ourselves from that moment and saying, "Wow, I wonder, I wonder where else this person might not be feeling acknowledged in their life right now." And of course, it's unfortunate that 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 anger was directed at me in that moment um it literally happened like two hours ago so it's just like fresh in my <laughs> it's mind very fresh <laughs> um but that's that's the kind of question that i think our anger can help us unlock is if we if we were in that situation and we stopped after lashing out at the runner who didn't acknowledge us on the sidewalk and say wow what where did that come from And think about then where where you're not feeling acknowledged or recognized or valued in your life Mm -hmm. for that particular example. That's where our anger can actually be a really helpful tool for discovering some powerful things about ourselves. So it was almost too perfect of an example to be handed this morning, but I figured it would be. uh, I figured I'd mention it because it's just it's just too relevant.
0: No, absolutely. And what I'm struck by is when we. Those moments of anger, it really takes being present in your body and being present in what's going on in your life, being present with your history and your past, being present with, you know, what are the anxieties, what are the joys, what are what is everything that's making up me in this moment right now? Because obviously we're also always changing and growing and morphing and Yeah, you know but like without that presence or without that Understanding it is really easy to just get like caught up in everything and just like n- not do that interior work, yeah. Um, and absolutely. I, I mean, that's that's part of why I'm doing the podcast is not only to help me be present but to help other people be present. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> that's such a vital skill to have in the world, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that's just like a tangent or what, no, but like, it's,
1: it's so true. And I'm I'm curious to know as well. I had, I had some things I wanted to share about my my background with anger, but do you have anything that stands out about your childhood or your family or interactions now with? with
0: yeah,
2: you know, um, that
1: stands
0: out about anger. I've over the past couple years, I've noticed that like there are moments when I'm I don't know like playing a video game or something like that and I get like so aggressively angry at this game and like my whole worldview changes to like it's all the game's fault it's like messing me up you know like I'm that- laughing because I've experienced this directly with you <laughs> <Yes>. several times <laughs> but like those moments make me really pause and say like okay I need to step away from this and really figure out what's going on mm. um, and the other piece I just flew out of my mind um Oh, my goodness. I had it, and then it was gone. Um, Crap. I cannot believe it. I thought of it as you were talking, and then you started talking, and I forgot about it. Was it something about, like, your family, or... No. um, It was... Oh, my goodness. I'll come back to it. Okay. I'll come back to it. (laughs) That's fine. Well, yeah, I I know for me...
1: So, one of the things that I was kind of... I grew up in a you know pretty evangelical Christian family. Um, and anger was I don't I don't necessarily remember anything particularly like aggressively negative about anger. I just remember that anger was something that we we all dealt with. like we all had it. But it was kind of a bad thing when you expressed it. You yeah, know? it was like, how dare you be angry right, right. now? Right. And so my family was very much, and it's still to some extent, it's like you keep it bottled up. You keep it bottled up. Yeah. And some things you just let go, but other things just build and fester until there's an explosion. And um, and I can think of I can think of a couple of examples with my family where I've been the one who's exploded and been the one who's like you know, who's been kinda triggered it triggered it in someone else too. And and as I think back about those experiences, it's just really I really wish, you know, this is not a like blame game on my family that we're oh, we're terrible. It's just like an acknowledgement of where we are. You know, I wish that we could acknowledge those moments as like hey like be stay together and figure out what's on what's underneath that right but also be like more consistently open about the things that might be (laughs) might be annoying (laughs) right about (laughs) our interactions with one another but that's anything like that
0: that's another piece of this is like it also correlates very closely with conflict management and Mm -hmm. open communication like you saying that reminded me In my first year at seminary, I had, and I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, Mm -hmm. but um, I had to do this, like, family genogram, which is, you know, like, you're taking your family history and, like, parsing it out to, you know start thinking about what are some of the triggers or what are some of the habits or patterns that are found within my family. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking my dad, because my dad's side of the family is always kind of been like quiet, like the kind of family that's like, how's work? Good. Yep. Great. Let's eat. And then peace out. (laughs) Um, And I asked my dad, I was like, so dad, how does your family deal with conflict Mm. and he laughed at me and said we don't (laughs) I was like oh my god how unhealthy is that but like if you're not able to not only like communicate that with yourself but then also communicate that with others that's where it starts to build up and then you just like repress 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 yeah. like no i shouldn't be feeling that i just need to buck up and move on i'd need to you know just like swallow it down and then everything will be okay it'll go away by itself right. yeah and so sometimes it
1: doesn't <laughs> it doesn't and that's one of the one of the pieces for me that's been really eye opening over the last few years I, I've actually spent some more time with the Enneagram assessment and realized what that's meant kind of for me and unlocking especially some of these things about conflict and anger too uh, so I, I, I you know if you're not familiar with the Enneagram it's fine I, I have reco- I, love it. I have recommendations <laughs> uh, that I could give but um so I am predominantly a 1 on the enneagram but also a, have a 9 wing. So it means I, exib- I exhibit characteristics somewhere in between the two. But as it relates to anger specifically and conflict specifically, ones suppress their anger and nines don't notice their anger. <laughs> so it's just this it's just this really potent combination for right. me of either being unaware or painfully aware of how I'm feeling. <laughs> but Being almost unable to act on it in some reason. So, the past several years for me have been really intentional about developing healthy avenues of conflict and practicing those skills. Not getting it perfectly any time, every time, but like working to be more open and honest when things are not the way I think they should be or things really upset me or hurt me and not just hold on to that. um, But try to get it out in the open and make some progress on that. So this, is again, is one of those examples of where developing some level of healthy self-awareness can help kind of demystify anger as this just really potent, uncontrollable force that affects some of us more than others, and instead use it, again, as that indicator of those things going on underneath. Um, So I actually, if I ever had the chance to talk with him, I don't think I'd pick a fight, but I'd definitely challenge him on this. Um, so Ian Morgan Cron is one of the top, like one of the most uh, well-known voices around the Enneagram today. He's written mm-hmm. books, podcasts, uh, great stuff. So in his book, The Road Back to You, which is kind of his overall introduction to the Enne- Enneagram, he he talks about how each type has a chief sin, so to speak, mm-hmm. and of course the type the one. Uh, Their chief sin is anger, and (laughs) and 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 now I'm giving a very unnuanced version of
0: what he wrote, and and I think in conversation he would kind of he would he would nuance it more. Getting back to what you were saying, like when that turns into something that's aggressive and harmful towards others. Well, and
1: it's also like the core of the one is so that one is called either the perfectionist or the reformer (laughs) too, and so that. You know, that deep-seated, underlying, stewing anger comes from this consistent viewing of things that the one can clearly identify as not wrong, not right, right, or not as good as it could be, or in need of improvement... And then you just like sit with that. You don't. You don't. And that's a struggle for me too—is not enjoy not enjoying things for where they are, right? Or only noticing how bad traffic is and not thinking about how bad it was before they made all these improvements to the road, or right. Things like that. Right. Um, I'm the guy who finds finds the two typos in the bulletin or brochure. Um, when the whole thi- the whole rest of it looks beautiful and gorgeous, and it's especially a problem when I was the one who wrote it, because <laughs> then it becomes a value statement about yeah. like, oh, how could you make that kind of mistake or something like that. Um, so because because that can so quickly lead to that again, that underlying just continually brewing and stewing anger. Um, that's where that's where it can get kind of dangerous for someone with like someone who falls into that really broad category of personality types like I do. Um, But again, I I think where we can make a move is, um, so there's one level of this. It's like in the moment when we experience anger, taking a step back and like kind of reacting in that moment in an intentional way to try to discover what's going on underneath. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important move. I think there are some proactive steps we can take around anger too. Right. Uh, and have I've had the opportunity to lead some conversations around this that have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to participate. Yeah, yeah let's uh, do it. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you my example first. Okay. And then we'll make we'll make we'll kinda go back and forth. Um, Like answering the same questions,
0: and for for those of you listening, feel free to participate as well. So after he asks the question, pause the question or pause the podcast, yeah, if you want. Absolutely. Okay, so this is a freebie. (laughs) The first thing I want this podcast is free.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been paying for it. Wait a minute. Never mind. I'm just kidding. Okay, duped, sir. (laughs) Okay, so the first thing I want you to think about is a pet peeve of yours. So this is something that it can be. Oh,
0: okay. I remembered the other thing I was going to mention about anger, real quick before Dude, we yeah do that. it before we jump into this. The other thing I've noticed about anger, and it gets into pet peeves. What I've noticed about anger is what makes me the most angry is the stuff that I see within myself that I don't mm-hmm. like. So, like the act of someone like cutting someone off in traffic really grinds my gears because I get really frustrated when people are selfish or when people are unable to think about others outside of themselves. Sure. And I see some of that trait within my own self. And I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. tell me like, oh, you're so open. You're so kind. You're so good at listening. But like, for me, I feel like there's so much work I can be doing to become more open and dead because it's so easy for me to get so wrapped up in my own world or my own sphere. And like, anger i've noticed comes out of that moment of i don't like that within myself so when someone else exhibits that yeah. i'm going to get fucking pissed at them <laughs> yeah so it's like
1: and that's so oh, that's such a true statement that the things that we find most annoying in others are often things that are real true about ourselves yeah <laughs> uh, so that and that's kind of part of this conversation too. And funnily enough, when I've led this before, I've called the session "What grinds your gears." Too. So <laughs> thanks for thanks
0: for naming it already. You know what uh, really grinds my gears? That's an awful Peter Griffin <laughs> impression. <laughs> Don't pay me to do impressions. <laughs> okay, so
1: we can either hold you can either hold on to that one or we can think of something different. Um, okay. So what I I what I want you to think of is, and hold on to is that pet peeve, that thing that, like, really annoys you, um, the thing that just always seems to get under your skin a little bit. And it doesn't have to be, like, there are things in this world that are really broken and messed up. It right. doesn't have to be something like that. Right. It doesn't have to be, like, systemic injustice. because As bad should, as that is. <laughs> yes, that should make us all angry. For the purposes of this conversation, though, I want you to think about that thing that just, really just, uh, inexplicably, every time, gets under your skin. So I can think of a couple. Um, I hate it when people live, leave carts in the middle of the shopping, uh, uh, the parking lot at the grocery store instead of just like returning them to the designated spaces. <laughs> but the one, the one I always go to in this conversation, because it's so odd, but it always makes me so angry, <laughs> is when birds, especially geese, walk (laughs) like when when there's a backup in traffic because there's just like this line of geese that are perfectly capable of flying motherfucker you can fly over all of us (laughs) like what are you doing fly stop walking because you look ridiculous while you're trying to And it'd be easier for everybody would get where they're trying to go faster if you just fly. <laughs> I, even when I'm talking about it right now, I can feel my blood starting to boil and like my shoulders are getting tense just talking about it. Okay, so that's that's the pet peeve that I'm holding for this. So what do you think? Um, is
0: there something? Do you want to go back to the traffic example? Is there something so, else you can think of? So some of the ones that I think of. Right away. So I don't know if it's... As far as I know, it's not like this in Pennsylvania or really anywhere else mm-hmm. I've been. But in D.C., there is a practice where people ride the exit until the very end, especially during rush hour traffic, till the very end and then get over... Yeah, the exit I, lane, and then they use it as just a regular traffic lane Until they have to get over before exiting off the highway. Yeah. Particularly on 495, which is a big, like... <laughs> Highway that circles around D.C. Right. And it always slows down traffic. That and people who see, like, a sign for, hey, the left lane is closing because of road work, and they go all the way down to the end and then get over, and it just continues to back up traffic. That drives me up a wall. And then the other one that is sort of, like, a pet peeve, gives me, like, anxiety and, like, makes me want to step in and do something is, like... When someone is doing something on, like, a computer or someone is doing some sort of task that I know how to do really quickly and watching someone stumble through it. <laughs> like, like Jonathan and I have a professor on um, this semester who does a lot of work on the computer and she she knows a ton about like using Microsoft Word or whatever but she is so slow with how she like yeah. moves the mouse around and like clicks and highlights things and like something about that just like
2: oh, oh my yeah. god
0: <laughs> okay
1: so hold hold on to those things um, so the next the next move I want to think about is what does it take to, or what is the positive value statement that is being challenged in that particular statement. What's the positive value that you hold that you you feel like that situation is kind of undermining and might be causing the trajectory. So we're doing we're doing the same kind of thing that you that we talked about doing in the moment, but now we're like bringing up our anger proactively yeah. and using it to discover discover things. Okay, so the <laughs> the underlying value for me um, in the geese situation, <laughs> and I promise you this is real. <laughs> so, for me, it's about un—it's about unmet potential. It's like, it, it, and it's like it's literally captured in the statement: "You're walking when you could be flying." Right? <laughs> like it sounds really poetic and metaphorical, but it's really true in this situation. <laughs> so that's that for me is a value statement because, as I mentioned before, I'm a person who loves seeing things seeing systems um seeing myself and trying to make it better and make it like like make it live like work to make it live up to that potential yeah and so when i see that that situation just triggers that in me it's like (laughs) the antithesis of what i'm all about and it, it just keeps coming back to that yeah okay so with with either of these situations either the like the computer like the Someone doing something on the computer that you feel like you could do better or quicker yourself, or with people driving in ridiculous ways, what do you think, what do you think for either one of those? Maybe, maybe go in one direction or the other. Try to think of the positive
0: value statement that's underneath it and no judgment here yeah like, no no it's no, like no i think i think the traffic one is really easy to find an answer for because um a lot of my values are based off of we are all in this together we're all in community mm-hmm. with one another so we should be working to help each other to you know like not be dicks to each other <laughs> basically baseline but, like, but yeah. like, to put it simply but like so I think the under like the positive value is we're all in community together. We're all in this shit show traffic show <laughs> together. And like what I guess the really frustrating part about that is you are not you're viewing yourself as the exception to or like you're I don't know like yeah. Well it's it's, it's you, you kind of mentioned it before. And that's too. that's a very that's a very Present spirit within the Northern Virginia area. Mm -hmm. A lot is like this sense of entitlement, like Mm -hmm. the rules don't apply to me, or you know, like I, I don't have to worry about everyone else because I'm the only one that matters. Right, and that's Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. So that oh, that's so good. So and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying, like you feel you feel like a like a core value. Maybe if we like making it into a. A tagline or something, right? Is that like we we owe something to one another because right. we're part of this, and, and this asshole <laughs> is saying like I don't owe you shit, and and they're also saying like I'm owed something myself, you from know, from all you motherfuckers. Right. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter, <laughs> um, and and it's I think that's really powerful, um, and I think that's very knowing you. That's very true of your spirit. Is like when we. When things are disruptive to community or relationship, it's something that you don't love. (laughs) It grinds your gears. It grinds my gears. Okay. So this this is the moment where things can happen or cannot happen. We have this, like, we can stop here and say, oh, that's a great thing about myself. Like that's a great value that I hold, and I want to remember that in that next situation, and maybe work to alleviate or diffuse some of the anger that I'm experiencing. But there's a there's a story about anger in the Bible that is particularly relevant here. So I'm not gonna I, I don't have the reference off the top of my head. We're talking Hebrew Bible, Moses. You're going and to hell, man! <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Failing, on, failing on the sword drills, right? Here. <laughs> but um, the story is when Moses also, is leading. What? Sorry, how fucked up is it that we call the Bible like a sword, like it's this weapon we to <laughs> slay people? What the hell? <laughs> And when we train our children, sword drills, and I mean, everyone like, holds them up in the air, <laughs> like we're going to battle.
0: I mean, like, I like Paul, he's a pretty okay guy, but, like, that's the one thing that I, like... The sword of the spirit. Yeah, that's the one thing where I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'd go yeah. that far, Polly boy. Anyway. <laughs>
1: so there's a story of Moses leading the Israelites through the wilderness, and it's one of the times when... Um, it's one of the times when, of course, the people of Israel are complaining because, obviously, they're wandering through the desert. Like, <laughs> we give them so much crap for complaining, and some of it may be warranted, but it's also, like, a story of actual people who, if I was wandering through the desert for 40 years, I would not be happy many, all the time.
0: How <laughs> many people complain, like, when their meal takes five extra minutes at I Olive mean, Garden? Like We're sitting here complaining about <laughs> geese and traffic. Like,
1: oh, come on, okay, we got to connect with that experience. <laughs> but one of the things that they complain about is not having water this basic necessity that if you you know if you talk to anyone who works with folks that are like trying to get their lives together it's like you've got to meet those basic needs first and there are a couple different stories but there's this one where god says to moses that the water will come from the rock and rather than just like saying it or holding up his magical stick or whatever it is that's going on with moses during these stories Moses, in anger, hits the rock instead, and uh, and that's where the water comes forth. But for that reason, for that very reason, Moses is punished. And I I think, and I I could be wrong, and hopefully you don't get too many letters about this. but (laughs) uh, But it's like. I think that may be the the deciding factor that keeps Moses out of the (laughs) promised land. That he hit the rock because the people were complaining and he got fed up. He's just like, here, here's the water. And he hits the rock with his apparently magic stick that can turn into a snake (laughs) and back and, and for that reason Moses is kept from the promise that kind of started this whole journey for him. Or so it seems. Um, i think there's for me that story has always been portrayed as see what happens when you get angry like who knows what you might be missing out on because you act in anger and aggression yeah i think there's a level of truth to that and especially as it gets back to what i was mentioning about like acting in our anger in destructive ways to our community and to others around us like yeah we're missing out on something we right. are not we are not living into the abundant life that's available for us but i think there's also a moment in there that that really can i don't i don't want the sole message of that story to be if you're angry god's going to punish you right because that's that's not at all what that's not the focus of that story you know this story of course written in retrospect you know from from the t- you know potentially from as late as the time of exile for israel you know, Some are like looking two thousand years later. Yeah, I mean, they're looking back at these origin stories and maybe trying to make sense of, you know, why don't why don't we have stories of Moses in the Promised Land, or why what what was it about? Um, I don't know. I appreciate the story because it's it's Moses in one of his most human moments. There's a number of these along the way, um, but. It, it's I it, it feel like his anger in that moment identified something deeper within him that was going on that was both like a real it was a it was a lack of being content with all that God had offered mm-hmm. God had offered abundant food and water in the wilderness and was doing it again in a miraculous way in this story God had offered Moses a what would have been an exhausting leadership role <laughs> to guide who knows how many people through the desert and liberate them out of slavery uh, kind of being being the mouthpiece and the hands of the divine in this moment and it's i find it really hard to believe that in one moment of showing his humanness Moses was removed from these promises any sort of promise of yeah.
0: of abundance
1: and so i think I think this moment might might instead be revealing that Moses's Moses's leadership was for a time and a place. Oh yeah. And this this moment of anger helped him realize that too that he cuz he didn't like he didn't fall back into the he didn't fall back to the margins, he didn't you know, and this is a very I admit this is like a very like male-centered reflection right now, but it's like Moses Moses stayed in the narrative after after he realized the extent of what he kind of what he was made for. Right. That makes sense. So he's like, oh, my leadership is going to going to end at some point. It's going to be passed on. And maybe this moment is helping me realize that. It's not as much about punishment as it is, again, about indication and realization and communication to what's really happening. So with that, I think using anger proactively in these ways can actually be really powerful tools of discernment for if you wanna call it your sense of calling in the world, um, or even just discovering those, those core passions that you wanna make sure you're addressing and giving life to um, as you're living your life, whether or not it's part of your like paid job, like things you really wanna pay attention to. So back to our examples with this, I think that, like, if I could... I was joking about my dad brand before, but I think if, if I could name my brand based on this story, and I think it's pretty true, It's I, I'm really passionate about working with individuals and organizations and communities and helping us live up to our potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I can so, absolutely see that. Yeah, so so that, that negative experience of anchor, that pet peeve, Uncovered a value that now speaks meaning into like how I see and understand the world, yeah, and how I see and understand myself. So I want to invite you to consider the same thing. So this this value statement of community and connectedness, um, the idea that we, we we owe one another something rather than we ourselves are owed something like this really mutual. What is what do you think that says about about you and yeah. your you can call it your brand, your calling, whatever. That, that same kind of direction.
0: I think... I think for me, it speaks to a sense of... We are... This is really... This is really fun, by the way. And I realize... It's this is, it's, it's not I an made easy it, question No,
1: it's not. And anyway, I made it sound like it because I've had this conversation a lot right, before. You've, so. you've done the work. Yeah, um, so...
0: But wrestle with that. Right. That's that's really important. No, I think initial, obviously this is something that I want to mull over, but I think the initial thoughts are, you know, I want this world that we live in to be more harmonious. I want this Mm -hmm. world that we live in and the communities that we are present in to be that... You know, for me, the the mirroring of the divine source, the sacred flow, God, whatever yeah. language you want to put in there. You know, like when we are, to to quote the um, J. McDaniels, who we both had to mm-hmm. read this semester for Systematics, um, he talks about, you know, like this horizontal sacred aspect of our lives where everyone has um, this inherent dignity and... Value within them, not based off of any productivity, not based off of any utility, but simply based off of the fact that they are living, breathing beings right. with subjectivity and thoughts and emotions mm-hmm. and all this other kind of stuff, even though those emotions might seem foreign to us or they're hard for us to see. Um, and then also the joy is found in being in mutual enhancing relationships with those other beings Mm -hmm. Um, so I think what this is speaking to me is like like you said we owe something to each other and yes we need to be filled ourselves and yes we need to make sure that we're maintaining our own self-worth and our own self-value and you know Mm -hmm. like all this kind of stuff but that's I mean that's the balance that we play in being in community is we are individuals but we're also in this together with the people around us And holding that as sacred, I think, is something that I hold really dear. Yeah. And that's, I mean, like, a lot of that is very similar vocabulary to stuff I've been spewing on this podcast. And a lot of the stuff that I write about in papers at school and a lot of the stuff that I talk about in conversations with you and with a lot Mm -hmm. of other people is like, dude, we're all in this together. Yeah. like my my brand is pretty hippy dippy like <laughs> that i know love sure. man like that's I, that was the door through which it entered but like it it very much is rooted in that like absolute love and connection and and so
1: and so this is why this is interesting to like draw some connections because i've you know we've been journeying this semester on kind of parallel paths of like seeking new job opportunities yeah. and things and i you know i I still could not believe that you were considering being a used car salesman for a hot second. <laughs> and it's because of a lot of the things that you're saying too because uh, no offense to any car salespersons that might be uh, <laughs> might be uh, listening, but like there's something about the like competitive sales environment. Yeah. That would that, that to me would be like I would see that as really draining for you not to mention the terrible hours right. and like <laughs> like all the, the logistical stuff but just like at the base level there's there's something that would be really draining about consistently viewing people as like like people to like pers- just to persuade and just right. to get them to do something that you want them to do
0: and what? convince them that they want to do the thing that you want them to do so, So one of the things that Kristen talked about yesterday, which you listening, you'll have heard this last week, but Mm -hmm. she talked about, um, encountering people without a why, like that's what it means to actually come into community and relationship with other people. It's not like coming in as like, I need to sell you something or you're selling me something or like, it's not a transaction. It's I'm here. You're here. Let's just be here. Yeah. And that's enough, you know? That's and that's that's
1: really powerful, and so I, I'm you know I'm curious to think too about what kind of spot that will have you, like where where that will lead you to in the future. And again, these we we often get so caught up, and I and I've done this too. We get so caught up in our like sense of calling or this like core purpose statement or whatever it is. It's got to be completely lived out in every single aspect of our lives. Sometimes that's just not realistic. We can't we can't all be afforded the privilege to like work a dream job. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of us have to find something that just pays the bills. Yeah. That just frees <laughs> us up to do the things in our life that are more life-giving, whether that's be connected to our family or community, whether that's pursuing particular hobbies or like other forms of like practices or studies or things like that, whether it's being outdoors. I don't know, but like we can't we 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 can't Constantly put the pressure on ourselves to think that every aspect of our life is going to be like neatly tied up into this like perfect life giving yeah. package. It's really about where are the spaces that we can tap into the wild, messy, infinite love. Woo! Woo! Uh, where are the spaces that we can tap into that that inform the, re- inform the rest of how we engage, in, even in those environments or circumstances that might be less than ideal? Yeah. So that's fun. I'm really glad, I'm I'm glad you didn't mind me putting you on the spot with that too, but I thought, I thought, I thought you'd enjoy that. And that's something that, um, I encourage you, Eric, and you listeners to keep, keep thinking about too, is, is, is that core passion of yours or a core passion of yours? Is that being addressed? Um, because if if not, that could be an area for you to like really deeply engage in reflection and connection to others to, um, as I love to say, like keep keep living into that fullness of life that God God has in store for you, living into that potential, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um. So.
0: Wait, are yeah. you saying that you're into potential? <laughs> y- yes. Stupid geese.
2: I hate them so much.
0: <laughs> They're also just really mean.
1: And I think they have tiny teeth in their beaks, but maybe I'm just making that up because I hate them so much. No, they are really mean.
0: Yeah. Um, but no, I think one of the ways that I've heard this sort of idea talked about, going back to Rob Bell, who's like my favorite person ever, um, he talks about the fact that everyone is your teacher um so even you yourself are your teacher and like everything that's going on i would i would extend that to everything is your teacher it's not just a person but it's the entire world around you is teaching you and giving you moments of that self-reflection to grow and become who you're truly supposed to be um which has a lot of other stuff wrapped into it but like that that critical moment or that intentional moment of saying, what is this teaching me? What is this telling me? Mm-hmm. That's so vital. Yeah. And, that, and that's, and it's full
1: circle then to conversation about anger because that's what led us to this point too, is like proactively engaging the places that seem to set us off, that seem to tra- paying attention to the things that don't seem to be right rather than, than pushing them down mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in ourselves internally or it's in the systems in which we operate, paying attention to the conflict, creating space for the conflict only opens up greater possibility for right. healing and wholeness and like in, especially in like work teams or those kinds of environments and organizations you might actually be able to like productively function together and do the work that you're tasked with doing um, if we if we continue to do what I what I've had the tendency to do for a long time which is like suppress or ignore the the spaces that are kind of getting under our skin or grinding our gears we we miss out where it's not it's not like you you, you you might miss out on conflict, which might make you feel uncomfortable. But honestly, I ask at what cost? Because again, the potential of what uh, <laughs> what might be what might be in store if you actually dive headfirst into that conflict, into that anger, and see what's actually beneath it, helps you really get get to know yourself and know people in ways that lead to. I, I, I've seen
0: it lead to really fruitful futures yeah. together. So it's like it's like you're running the engine at 50% rather than like at 99.9% yeah. or you because like, I, I don't know if we ever get to that full 100% we're always always getting back into the period of growth and change and yeah. you know whatever. but like when when we skip over those moments or when we repress them, it's like you're missing out on so much more that you could be partaking in. yeah. So I do have a question for you um, that's not in my list of questions oh, that good. I sent you. But <laughs> what do you say um, to people who maybe encounter something that hasn't been patterned before? So like mm-hmm. we were talking a lot about these things that we see in our everyday life that really grind our gears and we recognize those. But what if something like pops up yeah. Like, do you have any advice for working through that, that? Right. Maybe it's just like for a time, a very short season. Like, Sure. Or- yeah. Uh, well, and that's, I think that's, that's always the case is that as we,
1: as we engage the world around us and we experience various hurts and harms um, that affects us, we, we are not, we are not static people. We are dynamic, mm-hmm. like art you can talk about the idea even of neuroplasticity that says mm-hmm. every day our brains shape the actions that we do and the actions that we do shape the way our brains literally function. That's a mind fuck, it's by the crazy. way. It's <laughs> crazy. It's nuts. So, so things, if, if you're not being surprised by yourself, you're not paying attention to yourself. And I think in in spaces where your anger feels surprising, it's all the more important. To take that pause, and own own that you are feeling what you're feeling. Realize that you don't you not only have permission to feel what you feel, but like it is it's not just okay; it's right for you to experience. That's something my wife always says that I really appreciate. Um, that it's not just it you know it's you don't just have permission to feel like it is a good thing for you to feel and be yeah. in touch with yourself. Um, Which is something a lot of guys struggle with. I know. Um, And I think in those moments that are particularly surprising or in those moments that may bring up unaddressed trauma in your recent or more distant past, um, pay attention. But also I would encourage anyone to feel like don't feel like you have to pay attention by yourself. Whether it's with a trusted confidant or a licensed professional you Find someone to address those concerns with, because yeah. um, because you are worth taking the time and using the resources to discover where these things are coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think of an example recently of something that that really bugged me that uh, I wasn't expecting to. I mean, sometimes I it, it comes out in the in the weirdest moments too, like. Could be washing the dishes. I'm actually thinking about this. Yeah, washing the dishes, and that one spot on the dish, just like or that one like (laughs) caked on piece of food, just won't come off. And and before you know it, you're slamming the tray down and just walking away. And like that's that's a moment that I I hope doesn't happen often. But uh, and it's a basic example. But paying attention to that. You know, sometimes, sometimes if we don't address our anger, it comes out sideways. Is, uh, something that my brother actually says a lot, um, and that's that's the space where again we need to stop and pay attention to see what is what is that discontent really about. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, that's when it has the potential to be more destructive to the people around you, um, especially right. the people that are the people around you are often those that you actually truly love and care about, right? Um, and for anger to come out sideways at them is not something I don't think any of us really truly want. Right. Um, so not only are you worth the time and energy it takes to pay attention to where your anger is coming from. Yeah. But those, those around you are worth it too.
0: Yeah. I There have been, I can't tell you how many moments, but... Not, like, so many that, like, they're uncountable. I could probably count them on my hands. But, like, uh, the moments where I get frustrated about something and it seems like I'm upset with my wife or something like that. And then, like, we have to sit down and talk and say, no, I'm not upset at you. There's just something about this moment that's really frustrating me. Yeah. Whether that's genetic, because mm-hmm. I, I think there's another piece of this is like, part of it runs in your family. Like, I know my family is kind of impatient. We can kind of be neurotic at times, like, very like, this is how things should be. We know the way it should be. Yeah. Like um so, and, and sorry, I, any family members who are listening to this. And, and I wanna didn't let you know, know I wanna let you know too that
1: your family is the only one that's messed up. <laughs> it's the only non-perfect <laughs>
0: family in the world. So <laughs> um, But then you also mentioned something um, at the beginning of the podcast. Not only does this stuff come out in like these little moments of like road rage mm-hmm. or upset with the manager at a restaurant or with your family or you know whatever else it might be this also comes out in very harmful ways on a grander scale so this comes out as like anger towards minorities and people Mm -hmm. who are different than us and like that's also wrapped up in fear and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you have any words to
1: well, I think,
0: yeah, and that's I'm, I'm glad you brought that back up because you can
1: you can do the same kind of exercise that we did with our pet peeves around those things that can be more destructive. And the thing to be careful about is like, the value statement underneath that anger may not always be a positive one. Right. And that's an important thing to say. So that's why I distinguished before what's the positive value statement. Like the negative value statement underneath my pet peeve is I kinda hate geese. Like and that's not something like as part as someone who believes in the connectedness of all like the whole universe and like the Like, that's not a good thing for me to feel. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, like, more seriously, like, if if you realize that your anger in a particular situation is connected to some core bias or prejudice against some sort of group of people or a particular person that works itself out in harmful ways, that's not a positive value statement. Right. And you need to be able to carefully, either on your own or in community with others, like, carefully dissect... Which about which of these statements is is a value a positive or a negative? And oftentimes each situation can have can have a positive outlook, but I don't want to force that on situations that right. are that are prone to cause others harm, especially. Right. Um. So and that you know that can honestly be too about how we relate, uh, how we relate to others. In you know we've mentioned you have we've both mentioned relationships with our spouses. Um. You know. There are times when our anger is connected to a positive value statement that happens to be triggered. There are other times that our anger is related to like unrealistic unspoken expectations that yeah. we're placing on each other that just, you know, that's not that's not fair, you know, that's not right to to hold one another to a standard we don't know exist or that we could never ever meet. Right. Um, and I, I say that to myself too. Um,
0: did you hear that evangelicals? Don't hold people to standards that they can't meet. And then don't get angry at them because yeah. they don't meet them. I mean, sorry, did I say least, that out loud? I'm so, so sorry. You also said it
1: kind of loudly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a really relevant irrelevant point here because in in those spaces where you know those spaces that underlie our anger are often coupled with a lot of shame that comes from yeah comes from feeling insufficient feeling like your you or your community is not enough for some for whatever reason and I I firmly believe that shame has no place in the reign and realm of God that one of the things that is so true about about the living one about the divine is that there is dignity that comes yeah. with, with the love that is infused throughout the entire created order. And if we can't recognize that in ourselves, I think even when we are able to recognize it in others, we're still falling short. Yeah, um, And so, you know, who was it that I was, I just heard from someone lately that was, um, that was questioning the golden rule uh, because it it is kind of it's kind of imposing you're imposing your own morality and expectations on others so maybe the the golden rule with an asterisk can be uh, <laughs> treat others the way that they want to be treated yeah rather than the way that you'd want to be treated I mean that's a baseline for developing empathy sure but I think if we're really moving in a direction where like we are moving towards, Positive community building out of these spaces of, of shame or resentment, or like on the positive side, like passion and interest that our anger can help uncover. Um, we need to actually be able to engage and listen to one another because of, of things that you mentioned earlier of the the value that everyone holds um, and realizing that hey, we are together and that's enough. Um, that 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 is a beautiful vision. That I think, actually wrestling with our anger can help us work towards.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness, I, <laughs> I love this. I love this conversation. It's so fun. Um, do you have any more thoughts that you want to share? How are you feeling? Are you feeling pretty whole and good about it? I think so. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm. I'm very thankful for the
1: opportunity. First yeah. off, it's always good to chat because. We're, this is not i mean the fact that there's a microphone between us is a is unusual but our conversations usually get to this kind of depth too which Pretty i much. Really, <laughs> really do appreciate um but i'm also happy to uh, you know if people who are listening want to follow up um uh, i'm happy to you know maybe not publicly on a podcast but right. get, get contact information out there too yeah um the only the only social media I'm using right now is Instagram. Uh, I am on I I do uh make postings on the Instagram uh, at jonathan.d.fuller fuller. It's very long, I'm sorry. But uh uh and I'm also on LinkedIn if anyone wants to
2: connect.
0: There we LinkedIn. go. And full circle the dad. It's fine. <laughs> But thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I've loved it. I'm sure everyone listening has loved it. You are such a wise and insightful and eloquent person. I don't know if I've ever met someone who's so wise and eloquent and able to put things in such nice and neat language that makes it accessible for everyone. But also gets at the heart of, like, pushing people to become who they really are. Push people into their full potential yes full circle full <laughs> circle so and many I, circles circles <laughs> on circles on circles on circles all right we're gonna wrap it up here thank you so much thank you it's been loved a joy. it loved it have a wonderful day oh we end the podcast by saying right. peace and love y'all so can you take us out oh gladly I'll channel my inner, inner North Carolinian to gladly say <laughs> peace and love y'all peace and love
2: Jonathan fuller everyone. And now I'm fumbling with the keys.